But I'm just glad we have the Bible. And today we're in the book of James. And we are in chapter 5. And we're kind of wrapping up our series and we're looking at this idea of prayer. And obviously prayer is critical, but there are a lot of components in prayer. And this particular weekend, we're looking at the prayer of faith and what that is. And healing and praying for people. What does it mean when we anoint with oil, we lay hands on the sick and we pray the prayer of faith and we believe God to heal them? Is that, does that even happen in our culture today? I can tell you, yes, it does. It absolutely does. The stories and the testimonies of people who have been healed when we have prayed for them in our church goes on and on and on. And I can't understand why not everyone is healed all the time. Sometimes they're not. We'll talk about some of that stuff today. So James is trying to set up a tone about what prayer is and how important it is to everyday Joe, just this everyday person who's following God. The outline, if you want to follow along, the first thing I, I think James is trying to say to us is, hey, we, we should be talking with God about real life. We, we don't have to have the these and thous and, and change our tone and our inflection when we pray. Real life is what God is, is with us in. Amen? Real life, you're, what you, where you are today, what's going on in your life right now, God knows and he cares and he wants to partner with you. So James says it like this in chapter 5, verse 13. Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. This is an admonition. And then look at what he says after that. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises to God, which is a form of prayer. So he's, he's going from Hey, you're having a real hard time to your, everything is great. You're not having a hard time. You should still sing praises to God. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. And that's a very important part of how we are learning to pray. All of these conditions that James is listing is about real life. I'm up, I'm down, I'm in the yo-yo, I'm happy, I'm sad, I get bad news. Oh, I wish I hadn't gotten that call. Lord, help. <laughs> oh, things are great. You know, you talk to people and sometimes it's great, sometimes it's not, depending on circumstances and all the things, the trials, the joys, the challenges, the issues. Sometimes people view prayer as the last resort. Like, you know, I've had people say to me, man, this was so bad, I actually, I actually had to pray. Like <laughs> it. I don't usually pray, but this was really bad, and I thought I'd better pray about this one. When God is saying, hey, why don't you make every part of your day, that's why Paul says pray without ceasing, and this is tricky, because can you do that? It's an acknowledgement of the presence of God everywhere, all the time, anywhere, anytime. It's just recognizing God is with me, because he is called God our Father. We, Bonnie and I have three kids. And they're adults now, and two of them have three kids of their own. So we have six grandkids. When my, when my kids call and, and want to chat, I, I'm so blessed by that as their father. Hi, Dad. How's it going? Oh, it's going good. What's up, I'll say. They'll say, nothing's up. Can I just call and talk? <laughs> I guess so. Sure. Let's talk. I'm more of a, like, my phone is to get to the bottom line. How many of you are more like me? You know, I'm not super chatty on it, but it's like, but, but when my kids call, I'm so overjoyed 
that they just want to call and talk and chat. And it's like, I wonder if God is up there sometimes when we, we feel is like, hi, God. Um, oh, and God's like, what do you need now? You call into chat, or, or do you need something from me? And I think today is about you understanding that you are a son. You are a daughter. Call your dad. Talk to your father. Talk to him. And you don't have to have a reason. You don't have to have a need. The, the bottom hasn't dropped out. It's not the end of the world. It's just this recognition that I am blessed to have you as my father. That's what it is. And James is saying, regardless of what part of your day, regardless of what you're facing, and by the way, your heavenly father is nothing like your earthly father, whether he was awesome or horrible. Your heavenly father is perfect. And he wants to talk with you, and he wants to be in your life in the everyday moments. The second thing James says is this. He says, you know, how about talking with God about wellness as well as forgiveness. To be mentally and emotionally well is a really big deal in our culture. We as Timberline have put more investment and time and energy in mental health in the last year and a half to two years than we ever have before. You know why? People are suffering. There are many needs. I'm suffering. You're suffering. We have challenges that we've never had before. We're having thoughts and issues that we've never had to tackle before. So for wellness and forgiveness, in verse 15 it says this. Such a prayer. What, what does that tell you about that verse? It tells you it's attached to the previous verse. The previous verse was the prayer that's in the name of the Lord. Okay, that kind of a prayer, don't forget that part. That kind of a prayer, such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. I'd like to just say it flat out before we talk about healing. The greatest miracle in all of the Bible and in all of time is the forgiveness of sin. It's, it's where Jesus took almost every conversation. Your sins are forgiven. Go and enjoy the rest of your day. Because it all starts there. It all starts there. Healing might be helpful, but it's not in, in eternity. If your sins are not forgiven, then you don't have forever with God. So that's number one. And that's why James is putting them together. Forgiveness is the greatest miracle. And then I want to talk about this prayer of faith. So here's what happens. People take James 13 through 17, this passage, and they ramp it up in a the theological sense to have a magic potion. And I've seen this in our generation. People start to teach things like this. If you pray the prayer of faith and you don't waver, then that person is going to be healed when you pray for them, no matter what. If they are not healed, it's not because God has a problem. It's because you don't have enough faith. Anybody see any problems with that? Uh, yeah. A lot of problems. What that does, if you just, just in simple form, it makes you God. That is really bad theology because that theology says if I just have enough faith, I can heal people through God. But that isn't what this verse is saying. It's not what James is trying to say. James is trying to say 
that the prayer of faith is a prayer that is in the name of the Lord Jesus. This verse even says, right after it says, if you pray this prayer, the Lord will bring the healing. You can't bring healing. I can't bring healing. So here's what happens. Either people get really frustrated because they don't have the prayer of faith and they get discouraged because they just try to not to doubt. I'm not doubting, I'm not doubting, I'm not doubting. I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. It's just this, this whole routine of I'm going to pray, I'm going to pray, I'm not going to doubt. And they put all the pressure on them or they just stop praying for people who are sick. And that's why churches stop praying because people are not always healed. And so they just don't pray for the sick anymore. Can I just tell you, I'd rather pray for the sick in the name of the Lord and have a few people get healed than to never pray for the sick and have no one get healed. That's out of C.S. Lewis, in case you're wondering. It is. But it's the truth. And it's important for us to understand the power of prayer and especially the prayer of faith. So in a little while, we're going to have some of you who need prayer and we're going to ask you to stand and we're going to pray in the name of of the Lord and this is there's no power in me there's no power in someone beside you there's no power other than in the name of the Lord and he is the one who does the healing he is the one who does the restoration he is the one who does the forgiving so all of these things become very important in this prayer of faith so don't forget that hang on to that don't be afraid afraid to pray for people I, I knew a guy, some of you remember Nick Kovac. You guys remember him? Gwynny. Gwynny was his daughter, and, and he, was, he prayed for everything. Drove me crazy. I mean, he, he, it was like too much. He, I, had a, I was taking my car to a mechanic shop, uh, and he said, where are you going? I said, oh, I got this little sound in my motor. He said, come on, let's lay hands on your car. I said, no, I'm not laying hands on my car. He said, come on, let's lay hands on your car. He put his hands on the hood. Oh, God, you can heal this engine. I'm like, I do not think that. But he, had, he, just, he just prayed for everybody, everything, all the time. If you had a need, he would pray for it. I just love that about him. My car wasn't healed, but <laughs> the mechanic fixed it. So God used the mechanic. <laughs> oh, I love that. Let's move on. Okay, number three. Now, this, this is kind of a controversial one that I want to give some clarity to. James is saying this, talking with God, you should do this. Talk with God about talking with others. So there's this transference that happens in this verse that's a little tricky. And James actually is going to say to you, confess your sins to someone else. Whoa, this is what it says, verse 16. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. What's this about? Does that mean I might not be healed if I don't confess my sin to someone else? This gets really tricky. I will say, first of all, confession of sin for forgiveness of sin always starts with God. Always. Don't ever forget that. But in some cases, it requires another step in order to receive full forgiveness. And that's where it's tricky. So there are three things there are three moments that I want to talk about that inquire, require confessing your sin to someone else. There might be more than three, but these are the three that I would put on my list, and I probably wouldn't go beyond this, unless it was some special circumstance. But these are reasonable concepts, and I think you'll understand them as we go through them. And this is why confessing to someone else is necessary for healing. Number one, 
when your sin is outwardly, um, when my sin is outwardly against you, like I have sinned against you, and you know I've sinned against you, that means I take that to God and say, forgive me for what I just did, but I also need to come back to you. The cycle of forgiveness requires me to go to that person and ask for forgiveness. Now here's the thing. They have a choice. They can choose to forgive you and go back into relationship. They have three choices. They can choose to forgive you and not go back into relationship. You know, you can forgive someone and not have rec reconciliation in the relationship. Or they can choose not to forgive you, which is not biblical. But they can choose that. So when you confess to somebody the sin you've committed against them, you are basically putting it on them to make their decision about what they're going to do. And there's nothing else you can do about it. At that point, you go to God, you live a clean life, and you don't do that again. You don't repeat it. But your part is done. The second reason why we need to confess our sin to another person is when your sin is habitual and private and secret. If you have a habit that is the same sin over and over and it's completely isolated to you and no one else knows it but God, you are not going to be healed or restored from that sin until you take that to another person who can help you. you say, well, that sounds kind of dark. It is dark. But that's why James is saying it. I believe with all of my heart that addiction, it's not going to just go away. You say, well, I've prayed that God has taken it away. Has he? <laughs> no, obviously he hasn't. There's something powerful about the man relationship, the human relationship that God uses when someone has a habitual sin in their life that they can't overcome. That's why, that's why we have so many ministries that are about addiction is because Satan wants to keep it quiet. He wants to keep it hidden. He wants to keep it secret or nobody knows. And it, it erodes your character and your integrity because you're living with this gap in your life between who people think you are and who you really are. And you know God knows the real you and just gets tougher and tougher. So that's why James is saying there are times when you find the right person. Can't emphasize that enough. Might not be your best friend or your spouse that you need to tell this to. I'm not saying keep secrets from your spouse, but I'm saying to get help. Get the right person and pray. That's why I worded this outline the way I did. Pray to God about confessing to others. Lord, is this the right person? Is this someone I can trust? And when you do this, healing can start. Why? Because you expose your secret. If it's just one person, no one else has to ever know, but that will, that will absolutely open an opportunity for you to not have that hidden and habitual sin in your life anymore. I've seen this happen as a pastor. You, you have this over this many years. People come in and say, I need to confess something to you. I'm not even in the story. It's not to me personally. It's just I need to confess to somebody. And I'm not going to be healed unless I do. And then I can get them help. I can get them on a journey. And that's powerful when that happens. And I love restoration when it happens. The last, the last time that I, um, the last one, number three, of when I, confess my sin to another person would be whenever my sin is public so so someone fails morally or someone embezzles money from the, the people they work for they they have they have a need it's biblical 
to stand in front of those people in authority and say, I am sorry. I, what I did was wrong. I mean, when you ask for forgiveness, it's humbling. Would you agree? Because you, you've made a mistake and you're owning it. And I just want to encourage you, don't be afraid to confess your sin to someone if you have sinned against them. And don't make it this half-hearted, well, if I offended you, that's the worst. You know, yeah, you did offend me. You know you did. Don't bring me that. Bring me, I'm sorry. Get on your knees and beg. Let's see some tears. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but kind of, right? I mean, you want to see that they're sincere, that they're sorry, that they're not going to do this again. So if your sin is public, there's one last thing I want to say before we go to number four, and that is you should never confess your sin to another person if it's about them and it's hidden. Like, like I w it would be so wrong to go up to someone and say, I need to confess something to you. I've really hated you for two years. And you don't know it, and I've never told you this. You know, or I've secretly, you know, lusted after you, or I've secretly this, or I've secretly that. People don't need to hear your private sin. God needs to hear it. And, and that's how you make it right. And you might have to go to someone else, but you don't go to that person. This is just health. So many people get in trouble when they start saying, I'm really attracted to you, or forgive me if I, you know. And all of a sudden, you got this awful stuff going on. That would have been way better never to have been verbalized. Take it to God. Take it to someone else who can help you with it, but not that person. Don't say it. Um, number four, consider the result of talking with God. Now, this is really a fun kind of place where James is wanting us to step back from the instructions he's given us, and he wants us to say, look at this. The earnest prayer of a righteous person. What is a righteous person? It's a fancy word for saying someone in right standing with God. There's nothing between me and God. I don't have unconfessed sin. So the earnest prayer of a righteous, right-standing person has great power, and it produces wonderful results. So you can't just walk around with hidden sin and expect God to answer your prayers. Sometimes he does, but that should not be an expectation. So James is saying, hey, what about this? You're earnest in your prayer. You're coming to God. You have faith in God that he can do this. And you're in right standing with God. You don't have a bunch of complications in your hidden sin. You've confessed those things. You're, you're honorable in your relationships with mankind. You've done what I want you to do. And you're believing me, so now I'm going to help you. I'm going to respond to that prayer. And I've learned a lot of things about these types of prayers that, that I know in my life I've changed through the years. Because God does, he hears all of our prayers but I have learned that my prayer usually changes what I pray. Like when I start out praying for something for God, I, I let God talk back to me. And I, and I don't know, I'm not an audible voice. I've never heard an audible voice from God. But sometimes I feel a discerning presence of God to like, why am I praying that? And, and I need to stop and ponder, Lord, even, even in the last year and a half, i got to tell you, I stopped praying some prayers for our country that I used to pray because I don't know what is God up to what is God am I praying against the will of God to take the nations to a place of, of humility that I'm, I'm not seeing I don't think I see what God sees do you and so I, I sometimes have to just stop and go what am I praying that's really selfish 
That's what I want to have happen, but I'm not sure what. God, what, what would you like to have happen? Maybe I'll just shut up for a while. What is it that you can put in my heart to pray for? And it sometimes changes my prayer. And so I have to be really careful about that. Usually prayer changes me. Prayer also often causes me to reflect deeper in terms of what it is that I desire. Because so many times I don't want to come to God to just be the needy person who, you know, oh God, I really need that new motorhome. Right? You understand what I'm saying? So these, these prayers in our culture can become really selfish, self-centered instead of to God be the glory. Lord, spend my life in a way that honors you. I'm not saying it has to be easy. I'm saying I really want you to use my life. Get me out there. Get me in that place where I need to be. These prayers are motivated by the passion to see the kingdom of God expanded and for God to be glorified. Analyze your prayers and ask, are they that? Are they about good old number one? God cares about you. He wants you to pray your needs and ask. He says, ask. But at the same time, I don't want to every day just be that needy son who's constantly viewing God as the maker of my wish list. I want to have a relationship with God where I hear his voice and he's my deepest friend and I can trust him. There's three things that I've put in your outline just to think about and do this week if you're up for that. They're pretty simple and then I have one fourth one that's kind of for all of us in a more mature. These are pretty simple. Number one, actually talk to God like out loud in a real voice. And you don't have to raise your hand when I ask this question, but a lot of people in our culture think their prayers. They don't actually say them. And that's not a bad thing. I think my prayers sometimes. But I know that for me, when I actually speak words out loud, it's, it's nice if you do this when you're alone, probably. When I say it out loud, I hear it. I hear what I'm saying differently. When I think it, I can just ramble on and on and I'm, and I'm not focused. But just try it. If you haven't tried that, say your prayers out loud somewhere and, and, and just talk to God like, like there's another person in the room and it's, it's your Father, your Heavenly Father. Uh, the second one is, you know, to say your needs. Not just to pray in relationship, but to actually say your needs. Lord, I feel I am in need of this. It might be the understanding of the people I'm going to be with on Thanksgiving. You know, we've had problems in our family with this, and I need you to help me. This is a need for me. I don't want to get into conflict. I need you to guide me and to lead me and give me wisdom and grace as I go into this week, or whatever it is, whatever it is. So, but that's, that's saying it out loud. And then the third one is just, as we go into Thanksgiving week, I had to put this on here, and it's so true. Say thank you to God. Say thank you to God. I, I'm just so, I'm filled with gratitude that we're 100 years old as a church. But there's so much more to do. So am I satisfied? No, I'm not. Am I thankful? Yes. And I want that to be your posture to say, God, spend my life. I want you to spend my life. But I'm trusting you. And I want to be grateful for the things that I have. And then for those of you that would say, you're pretty mature in the Lord. You have a prayer life. You talk to God. You present your request. I would like for you to think about this question. Ask God to reveal to you some of the hundred-year markers in your life. What, what are those? What do those look like? And for me, it's kind of a, a couple of categories. My grandma, 
my grandma prayed for me. My mom, I, I can still hear my mom. She always knelt down on the bed in her bedroom and shut the door. I can still hear, hear her praying for me. Those are markers in my life. And then that's passed on to me. And then we have kids now and grandkids and the markers start to go this way instead of this way. And I go, what's the hundred year markers that I'm gonna be able to place in my grandkids and my kids that they remember? What are those markers that in a hundred years your life has impacted these things? See, you don't know what they all are, but if you think about it once in a while, it might change who you're becoming. Now here's what we're gonna do. I wanna pray for some of you a prayer of faith because it's in the name of the Lord. It's not because I have so much faith, but I do have faith in the name of the Lord. And if you're sick today with a disease or you have cancer, you've been diagnosed, I'm gonna ask you in just a moment, not yet, but I'm gonna ask you to stand. If you have a financial need, if you have a relationship need that you're going into, you really know you need a miracle in this. It's hard, it's tough. Maybe there's forgiveness. Maybe there's a conversation that needs to be had. I do want you to stand for that. And we're gonna pray over you. Standing means you probably, you love God, you're submitted to God, you're willing to give it all to God. But we as a church believe in prayer and we're gonna pray for the sick. We're gonna pray for the needs. We can't, because of our current situation, anoint you with oil and touch each of you, but we can. That's a symbol in scripture of the spirit. And how many of you know that the spirit is not limited by that oil it's just a it's a it's a wonderful reminder that it's by the spirit so so if you have any need that you want prayer over would you please stand right now stand and then the rest of us are going to stand up after you after i pray for you whatever the need is doesn't matter we're just going to believe god for you thank you lord if there's someone next to you that stood and you want to stand with them do that now too Those of you who are, are still seated, I want you to really pray that prayer of faith in agreement with me today that, that God would heal some people in this room, that God would, would help in the, the tough situation that they are in, okay? So we're going to pray over you, and I want you to just, those of you standing, to just receive this, regardless of where your faith is, because we are praying in the name of the Lord, the prayer of faith over you. Holy Spirit, we call upon you to move in the bodies of those standing who need physical healing. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we pray the prayer of faith. We ask that you would heal the sick. We ask that you would set this body free of whatever it is that contaminates it. We ask for those who have relationship needs and need a miracle. We pray the prayer of faith in the name of the Lord. For those who it's complicated, the financial needs, the pressure, the stress, let it go in Jesus' name. Trust him. Lord, it's in your name, not in ours. It's in your power that we pray in faith today, knowing you are a God who loves. We trust you. We give this to you, and the result is yours. In 
In Jesus' name, amen.